All right. I want to now quickly transition into the Word. I had to spend a little bit of time there making some announcements. But if everyone can put their blinkers on now, we've got a Word this morning called Imagine. Imagine, imagine, imagine. And I want us to uh, get into the Word. It'll be a little bit, I'm I'm kind of of leaving it open for what the Holy Spirit wants to do this morning. Uh, There might be a little bit of preaching, a little bit of teaching. Whatever uh, He does, I'm just going to be open with the flow. So I felt this morning to start with this statement that God is wanting us to take the lid off our life. He's wanting us to take the lid off our life. And what I find is that uh, a lot of times the Holy Spirit usually kind of moves us through life in three phases. He first gets us to kind of dream or set new goals, get a vision for something. Then we have to start going after it and working with Him to pursue it. And uh, sometimes that's a little bit tricky because everything doesn't necessarily go to plan and we've got to put our trust in Him and there's, there's time for prayer and there's time for coming up against resistance and we've got to persevere and we've got to persist. And then the breakthrough then at some point usually comes and then we can actually start to enjoy uh, the goal that's manifested. But uh, what I find is a lot of people don't do th- this step number three very well. Sometimes I've seen people who they break through in something and then they're on to the next thing. They don't actually lock in or consolidate what they're broken through into. And I believe that God wants us to, uh, to encourage us today that if you're in that place, be careful that you don't actually go on to the next thing too quickly because sometimes it's important to consolidate and lock things in when they're broken through to make sure that the enemy doesn't try and come in and rip that thing up or, or uh, steal a part of it. Consolidation and locking in things that are broken through is important. Uh, and so... If you look at farming, you know, farmers have to actually plant seeds into the, 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 into the land. Then they've got to do a lot of the work. They've got to do the, 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 the hosing of it and, and the water and the, the fertilizer to help that thing start to manifest from seed form out of the soil into the open air when we start to see evidence that this thing is going to manifest. And then they actually go into harvesting. So they actually reap uh, now out of the ground what they've sown. Uh, and so usually farmers will actually have a season where they allow the soil to rest a little bit. They don't go straight into just planting again. The soil has to have a time to be consolidated, to kind of refresh itself and and turn over a little bit so that it's prepared and ready then to take more seed form and bring forth something from that seed form. And the same is true for us. Having said that, Let's go to the other spectrum. Sometimes I find people have breakthrough and then they over-consolidate. They kind of just sit there and they go, yeah, I've broken through. I've broken through. Good, this is great. And then it starts to get comfortable. And then they start to get very comfortable. And then it starts to get too comfortable. And then they start to get stuck in a rut. And then it's like, ah. And then they start to get, can start to get a bit lazy. And it's like they can stay in that place of breakthrough for years and not, be, not allow themselves to be challenged by the Holy Spirit. Let's now lift the lid off this season and let's start to dream again and believe again for, for the next thing, for something new. And so sometimes there are people who have a certain bent who tend to be people who are real go-getters and achievers who don't consolidate well. They're on to the next thing as soon as it's broken out. So you have to make sure you swing the pendulum back this way. And then there are some people who are the opposite, who over-consolidate. And actually don't position themselves to dream again when God is actually knocking at their door. And so I'm actually encouraging people to, if it's the right timing for you, and I believe it's for many, is to imagine, to start dreaming again. And I want to talk about the importance of dreaming. But starting off taking the lid off your life and to begin to dream about what God can do if we could let go and believe. 
And I want to start with this scripture here in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 4. And it's talking about King Solomon. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, ask, what shall I give you? God appeared to Solomon in a dream and said to Solomon, ask, as in ask of me something, engage with me. Take the lid off where you are and ask for something more. Ask for the next thing. Ask me maybe what it is if you're feeling confused. And then he follows up. I say, what shall I give you? Sometimes we don't dream again because we're stuck in that defeated mindset that, well, God wouldn't want to give me anything new, would he? When you imagine, make sure you choose also life to imagine. So a couple of quick uh, things because when Solomon replied, the Bible teaches that he didn't say, I want a palace. He didn't say, I want all the riches. Who knows that Solomon was one of the richest men in the Bible? He didn't say, oh, I want all these wives. And I said, wives, because in the Old Testament they had, sometimes they had more than one. He didn't answer all of those kind of surface level kind of things that a lot of the advertising and marketing of today will try and get into your head from a psychological point of view and say, hey, these are things that you should be wanting and desiring and imagining for. Are those things okay to ask for? Well, not wives these days. One wife is good to ask for. But what I'm saying is, is when we get into teaching about God wants you to imagine, God wants you to dream, what we've got to be careful of is that we don't just make lists around all the materialistic things that we want. It's okay to actually dream about those things, but it shouldn't be the core of those things. It shouldn't be the core of the imagination. What should be is actually that you're dreaming about life. You're dreaming about wanting an abundant life. So have you ever stopped and asked yourself, what kind of life do you want? What kind of life does God want for you? Our search for success and satisfaction in life generally starts because we live in this world system sometimes and we get caught up and ends in things, wealth, careers, adrenaline sports, the latest gadget, we can get too materialistic focus. Again, not that there's anything wrong with having a nice home and believing for that. That's a good thing. But what we should make sure is centered in all the things that we're planning for, all the things that we're imagining, all the things that we're hoping for is what we call abundant life within. Jesus came to bring abundant life within. Can I tell you that the wealthiest people in the world cannot buy peace? They might have a comfortable life, but we know a lot of wealthy people who don't know Jesus lack peace. And yet they've got all the wealth in the world. And so when we look at this, it's important when you come into a zone or a season of dreaming, make sure it's balanced. We have more than ever before in history, yet often we can feel so empty. King Solomon was the wealthiest man who had ever lived, and yet he often lamented the pointlessness of life despite his riches. Jesus offers us a solution to this pursuit of happiness in John 10.10, saying the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. So when King Solomon was, was asked, what do you want? He actually replied with wisdom. It's a good answer. It's a wise answer. But again, in Ecclesiastes, he actually, when he's writing Ecclesiastes, King Solomon is actually complaining in some areas, going, what's the point to life? I've got all this money, I've got all this wealth. 
I'm in charge of all these things, but it's just the same old, same old. And in fact, Ecclesiastes, I teach quite a bit, it, it, it talks about there's nothing new under the sun. It's just the same old, same old issues of life. What's the point of it? Without God, life is very empty, even if there's a lot of materialistic things around. And so the center of our dreaming, the center of our goal setting, the center of our imagining must be that we actually want Jesus in the center of our life, that we want life and life more abundantly, that we want to be filled with joy, that we want to be filled with peace, that we want to have a home that's a happy place where our kids can grow up and there's a great uh, place of fruitfulness in our lives. Is it okay to believe for a home? Is it okay to believe for a new car? Yes, that's okay. Don't get religious, but make sure that all of your imagining, all of your dreaming is also centered on the thing that Jesus came to give us, and that is life, life more abundantly on the inside. When we had the men's event just a couple of weeks ago, we had Pastor Andrew Magruder from C3 Church give a word about being in the storm, and he, he, he made this really clear point about the revelation of when Jesus brought peace to the physical storm in the boat, he looked at the particular scripture, and he was saying, you know, I don't believe it was just peace to the storm, but he believes that Jesus really brought peace into the hearts of the men in that boat. That's one thing that when you set goals and you set vision and you're imagining things, always you should be thinking about what seeds, what goals is God wanting you to put on pen and paper for this season so you're sowing seeds of peace, you're sowing seeds of love. Can I tell you, your inner world is the core thing that you should be imagining about, dreaming about your home, dreaming about your character, dreaming about the life on the inside that's going to bring you joy, that's going to be a river of overflow for your life. That's got to be a center theme when you dream when you set goals, when you imagine. If we look at this scripture with Jesus saying that I've come, that they may have life, 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 that they may have it more abundantly. Let's have a look at this. In the Greek, there's two words that are used to convey deep meaning in this verse. Zoe is the word in Greek, which is used for the word life, meaning when Jesus said, I came to give life and to give it more abundantly, the actual word in the Greek is the word zoe. Everyone say zoe. And zoe actually means if we unpack it, in the English it's translated to life, but in the Greek it has a deeper meaning. It means vitality. It means exuberance. It means energy. It means absolute fullness. Last Sunday after the service, we had people here breaking through, talking about a shift. And we shifted people from a sense of defeat into a sense of victory. And I was actually making a comment after we're in that place of shift, right in that worship, I could see people's eyes. Can I tell you, when I was looking into people's eyes, there was a fullness on the inside of, yeah. That's why Christ has come. So when we imagine, when we set goals, when we dream before God, we've got to make sure we've got a good focus of saying, oh, it's not just about the car, it's not just about the house, it's not just about the career, it's not just about all these things outside of this world. It's like, how are you dreaming for how you want to build the inside of your world? Because when you set goals and dreams about how to build the inside of your world, then God will now give you a strategy of how to actually build it. I'm asking you this, have you ever sat down and come up with a blueprint with the Holy Spirit about how to actually build life abundantly on the inside of you? Or have you got caught up into just dreaming and imagining all around the actual manifestations of the materialistic or the physical things around you thinking that's going to bring you life? Because even Christians today get caught into that trap.
And so Zoe, that word Zoe, life. Jesus wants us to enjoy not only just eternal life, but also life full, living in the Spirit, living in freedom, living in that place of grace. We know there's a war zone that goes on tension between the flesh and the spirit. But it's got to be something that you imagine. It's got to be something that you dream about. Dreaming and thinking and planning and scheming even. Scheming and strategizing about how can I be someone who lives more in the spirit? How can I bring that life that Christ has died for and bring it into my inner belly most days that I walk on planet earth? Now, Where it says in the second part, life, Zoe, and life, Zoe, more abundantly. Let's unpack the word abundantly in the Greek. And the word is actually pronounced perisos. Perisos, as in the two S's are double. Peri, double S-O-S. Perisos. And that word is used for the word abundantly. And it means beyond extraordinary and exceedingly above. Above. When was the last time? See, I might, if I was preaching another sermon, I might say, when was the last time you felt that abundance on the inside? Let's park that for right now. Let's come to this other question. When was the last time that you dreamed about having that abundance in you? That you imagined it? That you were thinking on it? That you were meditating on it? And because of that, you had a desire to have it manifest in your life and you actually sat down and set plans and strategies with the Lord about how you were going to get more of the life of Christ on the inside of you. When was the last time that you dreamed about that? Because sometimes we spend so much time dreaming about all these things, thinking that they're going to bring us that life. But the very thing that will is the very thing sometimes that we forget to even plan for or dream about. How would a Zoe marriage look? A marriage that's filled with the Holy Spirit. A marriage that's filled with life and abundance and forgiveness, and grace, and kindness, and gentlemen planning to woo and surprise your wife. You know, I had a boardroom meeting two weeks ago, and there was a particularly new person who's come into administration role. I could just see the countenance on her face during this business board meeting. And as everyone walked out, I said, hey, do you want to, I just want to chat to you about something. The Holy Spirit said, just ask her, is she okay? I say, you okay? She's a mom of uh, a boy just under two. She's now working in this real flexible role where she can work from home and do a lot of admin around coaching and training calls. I said, are you okay? And you could tell she was holding her back. She said, yeah, I'm okay. I said, okay, I just sensed that something was upsetting you or just sensed that maybe there's this something... It's frustrating you or annoying you. She was trying to hold her back and I said, can I help you? She said, I'm just annoyed. I said, why are you annoyed? She said, because it was Mother's Day last Sunday and my husband just didn't think to get me anything. My little baby, he can't think of it. He doesn't know what Mother's Day is, but my husband didn't even think of anything to get me just to say, thank you for being a great mom. And I said, oh, Okay. I said, yeah, I can see how that would be frustrating. I said, what about your husband? Do you think that maybe if you could just share that with him, just let him know 
that maybe he could plan next time. She just started crying. I said, you know what? It's going to be okay. I want to encourage you to share that with your husband. And it was a particular moment where I was going to go and pray for her. But then someone else walked into the boardroom and it all kind of, we had another meeting coming in. I said, hey, you know what? I just want to encourage you that if you just let your husband know, and if you, uh, if you just allow some peace to come into your heart, that it's going to be okay. I'm sure things are going to turn around. Now, I know that the Holy Spirit, because I said to the Holy Spirit after, I said, I didn't get to pray for her. I didn't get to, to bring the reality of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit says, no, that was good. You've just sowed a seed. Now she knows that you actually care about her more than just board meetings. And there's going to be an opportunity for you to pray for her at another time. But can I tell you that people are just doing life and they're just doing things. When I got talking with her, her husband is so busy trying to renovate the home right now. He's a builder. He's trying to renovate the, the, the home to get ahead, to get ahead, to get ahead. And then he's doing building all. The, and it, it, it's just like he's just, and I, and I asked a couple of questions. I said, what's going on with him? And she said this, because they're not Christian. She said, you know, my husband's doing all this stuff because he's trying to fulfill the expectations of his mum and dad. He feels like he's behind. He's 37. He's not far ahead enough. And, he, and she just said, and we've got this little boy, and uh, we've just renovated this home, uh, and uh, we're not even enjoying it. He's even on to the next thing, and, uh, and I'm feeling like um. And she just talked about the reality of the home is just empty of life, even though there's a lot of stuff happening. People just not being in the moment in life. Jesus wants us to dream and imagine about planning a life where we're in the moment, where we're connecting with the people that God has called us to connect with. And so the first thing I want to talk about, apart from that, is imagine is a life of faith. And when we look at imagine defined or imagining, to imagine is a life of faith. And imagine defined is to form a vivid, powerful image of something not present to the senses or imagination. To step into the realm of the Holy Spirit, the realm of the invisible, the realm of the supernatural is to imagine. The language of the Holy Spirit is the language of dreams and visions. The power to imagine. In Isaiah chapter 55 verses 8 to 9, it says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And so when we imagine, it pushes us through doors of opportunity. It sets us into a place where we're planning where God wants to take us. So when we talk about imagining as a life of faith, I wanted to quickly talk about uh, dreams as well in terms of imagination. And I want to talk about these things around the dream questions and different things around dreams. Because I want you to write this down for me. When we imagine and we're living a life of faith, you need to be asking certain questions of yourself and of the Lord. Write these down for me. The question here is, what is God's dream for my life? Write that down. What is God's dream for my life? Even if you've asked that question, that question can be seasonal. As in, God, what is the dream for this season right now? The next one is, uh, what am I put here to accomplish? What am I put here to accomplish? And asking the Lord to reveal to you the strengths and the giftings and the passion that He's given you will be big clues to answering that question. 
What was I put here to accomplish? Now, in terms of the stages of dreaming, I want to do a little bit of teaching on this and then move on to a couple of other points. A lot of times people are good at starting to imagine, but they don't understand the other steps around it. And so let's understand this, is that sometimes we expect things to happen too easy. In fact, sometimes we expect that if things aren't easy, then it must, must not be the will of God. Right? As soon as you encounter resistance, can I tell you this? Usually, there's exceptions to the rule, but usually it's a sign that it actually is the will of God. I want to just shake some mindsets here. If you encounter some level of resistance on your pathway to what you're pursuing for what you've imagined God said he wants you to pursue, if you don't encounter any resistance at some point, and it's just too easy, can I tell you that you've got to have a mindset that resistance is something that you need to be prepared to take on. As in, if it gets difficult, don't just go, oh, this mustn't be God because it's getting difficult. Usually it's the other way around. You've got to actually ask the questions and say, God, give me a strategy. Because let me say this to you. Where there is a promise, everyone say promise. Where there is a promise, there is also going to be a wilderness. I want to get that into your heart this morning. Where there is a promise, there is also going to be a wilderness before you enter the promise. There's going to be a zone where you feel tired, you feel annoyed, you feel frustrated. Do you have an understanding of that in order to be prepared to break through it? So <clears throat> asking these questions, there's, there's three stages to a dream, and I want to share this. Three stages to a dream. When we look at the young man of Jacob in the Bible uh, and the way that he... Uh, altered the way that he saw himself by really grabbing onto the angel of the Lord and he uh, dislocated his hip and his name got changed, all of these benefits that came from him just hanging on to the dream. But he also, after that, he had challenges. He had difficulties. And so when we look at the story of Jacob, there were three actual stages uh, of this dream. The first one was the promise that was given. Everyone write that down for me. Stage one is the promise is given. And that is what creates faith. So when you start to imagine the promise is given, can I tell you that's the honeymoon? That's exciting. That's the prophetic word. You know when you get a prophetic word or you get an idea or you get a dream or you get an understanding about what God wants to do? That's the first stage. The promise is given and it creates faith inside of you. It creates excitement. The second one though is the promise is delayed. Everyone write that down. Everyone say boo. The promise is delayed. This is where our faith is trialed or tested. It's a season of testing. And the third one is the promise is fulfilled. Everyone say yay. So it's exciting. Boo. Yay. Think about that as an emotional journey right there with God. It's exciting. Boo. Yay. Problem is, we go, it's exciting. Boo. This sucks. I'm going. We don't hang on enough until we actually see the promise fulfilled. The promise fulfilled is the realization of the dream. Okay, let me uh, dive a little bit deeper and I want to finish off in a particular theme. AV team, uh, we're not going to get to everything today. So uh, you get to have a little bit of holiday on those notes. <laughs> Good. I want to talk about uh, that imagining is a God thought. It's... To imagine is to really have God thoughts. 
and to dream is really to have God thoughts. And so to imagine, imagine, the word imagine is actually a faith word. And faith is the substance of things hoped for, the Bible teaches. Faith sees dreams as reality. Faith sees the invisible. Faith perceives as real fact what is not revealed yet to the senses. And faith is the power that creates things out of nothing. So to imagine is to have a life of faith, but it's to have God thoughts. It's to align your thinking to God thoughts, to dream. If we look at Isaiah 55, 8 to 9, we've read that, but I'll read it again. My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts than your thoughts. In Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Psalm 1317, Psalm 137, How precious and weighty also are your thoughts to me, O God, how vast is is the sum of them. So if we go even deeper and we define the word thoughts from that particular scripture in Psalm, in Psalm 139:17, how precious also are your thoughts to me, O God, how great is the sum of them in the Hebrew there. Let's now go to the Hebrew because it's the Old Testament. We're going to look at the word thoughts in relation to dreams and imagining. What is this teaching us? In the Hebrew, the word thoughts, it's not just your thoughts or you just think. Everyone say deeper. It goes deeper than that. The word thoughts there actually means your intentions, your purposes. It means designs. It refers to the thoughts that directly relate to purposes that fill a person's mind. Another word is strategy. So to imagine is not just to sit there and go, oh, I'm just imagining, I'm just having a daydream. Yeah. You know, it's actually, I'm going to imagine Holy Spirit. God, what do you have for me? God, who am I? And starting to really imagine and see in detail what God has. Everyone close your eyes. I just want to do this activation around career right now. Marketplace calling. Close your eyes, everyone in this building. Holy Spirit, right now as we activate, this moment of imagining. The language of the Holy Spirit is to imagine and to dream. Lord, right now, start to show people what is it that you have for them in this season for their career. Lord, show them where there's a door of opportunity. Lord, what's something new? Lord, what is it that's going to help us to lift the lid for what we're doing right now? Some of us are losing the excitement of the call of God in our life because we've actually got into a zone of duty, just doing it because it's something that we should be doing. And the joy and the excitement is getting lost because we've stopped imagining. We've stopped partnering with God and allowing the umbilical cord from our spiritual being to heaven to be connected and allow the Holy Spirit to give us download. Who knows, when the internet is not connected, you can't download anything. And so you have to listen to the same music. Oh, again. I mean, it's so frustrating when you get on the, you know, you get on the plane. 
You know when you get on the plane and I haven't downloaded any um, fresh music and I've got to turn my phone off soon before we take off and then I turn it back on? And I'm like, oh, or there was a particular sermon that I wanted to minister to, one of my favorite teachers in the States. And my plan was to have downloaded it so that I could listen to it on the plane and I forgot to download it, I forgot to connect it to the internet and download it. And so then when I get on the plane and I'm opening up, I was like, oh, I can't listen to this fresh revelation because I didn't position myself to download it. I wasn't connected to the internet. Spiritually, that's the same. Sometimes we're in a season where we're not positioning ourselves to imagine in a fresh way. We wonder why life is just like a kind of a reheated lasagna in the microwave and it doesn't really taste that yum. But we just eat it out of duty because mum cooked it. Imagining. I'm going to finish in five to ten minutes. Defining the word, let's have a look at the word toward because we see how, how precious and weighty also are your thoughts, which we looked at in the Hebrew means intentions, purposes, designs, refers to uh, particular purposes and plans, but it also means this. It means the will or decisions, the will of an authority expressed in a decision as in translated to good pleasure. So it's talking about there's sovereignty to the idea, meaning that the thoughts that God wants to give you, the ideas, the dreams that he wants you to imagine, there's authority behind those because they've come from heaven. There's a sense of, pers- uh, uh, of, of a personal kind of positioning that God wants to, to, to put on the inside of you, that there's authority, there's sovereignty, that there's a God timing about it, there's a God thing about it, there's a God, I just feel to say, there's a God thing about it, there's a God thing about it, there's a God thing about it, meaning it's a God strategy. The next part in Hebrew means the will or decisions. So it's actually when we start to imagine with God, we actually tap into the things that we see is giving us evidence about the will that God has for us. Can I share this with you as a personal testimony? My business right now is a perfect example of this truth. The business that's manifested right now is a coaching, training, consulting business that I got an idea about when I was in my second year as a Christian. And I started to get an idea, and I, and I had this idea about education and recruitment and coaching and training, and I, had, and I mapped it all out. Interestingly was I tried to step out right there and then and do it all. I went, ah, this isn't working. And so I parked it, but then I brought it back in and I faced resistance, but I kept praying and I kept believing, and then God would give me more download. And I started to imagine, and I'd start to see myself coaching. I started to see myself training. I started to see myself getting on a plane and going. And, and as I'm hanging out with the Holy Spirit, God kept saying, just keep dreaming. Just keep getting this into you. This is what I have for you. It may not be right now, but it's coming. It's coming. Keep dreaming. Keep imagining. And it's a way that God actually wants to reveal his will to you. Hey, this is what I have for you. Some of us, can I tell you, the biggest things that blocks Christians is religiousness. Oh, can I tell you? Religious spirit, I hate it. It's stinky. You know what the religious spirit does? The religious spirit is designed to actually lock that person into a very restrictive mind-thinking-bound sense of duty of Christianity that they can just do this. Oh, I can't do that. That's not holy enough. That's not religious enough. Oh, I can't be in business because, I mean, would God want that? 
Or I can't, I can't believe for, for this. God's saying, dream, break out of. I even feel like God's wanting to even just break off religion. I'm not going to ask anyone to stand up. But actually, I actually feel like there's a... Have you ever... Um, what's that? Uh, you know those javelin throwers, the Olympics? You know how they do that prep? And they kind of do that kind of thing. And they... This thing. You know that thing? And they kind of... And then they do that kind of thing. You know that kind of lead up? I feel like that just God just wants to do something in the atmosphere here. Because I feel there's, been, there's some people who are locked into their religiosity, their thinking, small-mindedness. Let's just stand here. In this place. Father, right now I thank you, Lord, that we take authority of a religious spirit. Lord, we cut it off, we break it off right now. And Father, I thank you, Lord, for even those ones who don't even know that they're locked into it. Lord, we take authority of it. Lord, we pray right now where the people have been hindered, Lord, in their thinking. Lord, where they've stopped dreaming. Lord, where they've stopped imagining. Lord, where they've stopped kind of connecting with you on that personal level to kind of break out of what's now and believe for what's next. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we break off that ceiling, Lord, that's hindered people in this place. Lord, we take authority of it. Lord, we tear down those strongholds right now. Lord, we throw them at our feet and we stomp on them and we snap its backbone right now in the name of Jesus and we declare warfare on that religious spirit. Lord, right now we, we declare and we decree Lord, that freedom would come into people's hearts. Lord, a sense of future. Lord, a sense of imagining. Lord, a freedom to dream. Lord, a freedom to think beyond currently what is. In the name of Jesus, we declare that we know that God, you don't want to have us bound and locked down into just what is now, but you have more for us and you have more abundantly. Lord, I pray for a new sense of release of joy on the inside, Lord, to be released in this place right now. Lord, a sense of destination that people are going somewhere in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Okay, take your seat. And so the other bit of this psalm word is your thoughts. How precious and weighty also are your thoughts to me, O God. And it talks about the word toward Linking to this scripture, there's a revelation that links to that scripture there, to Psalm 45, which says, Many, O Lord my God, are your wonderful works which you have done, which you have done, and your thoughts toward us. Everyone say toward. Your thoughts toward us cannot be recounted to you in order. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. Let me read that first bit again. O Lord my God, are your wonderful works which you have done and your thoughts, your thoughts, your thoughts, your thoughts, God, your thoughts. The word thoughts means plans, desires, the will of God, a blueprint for your life. Things that he wants you to partner with him to see in the dream realm so that you start to get an insight. Those thoughts, it says here, Your thoughts toward us. Toward us. Now, everyone say the word toward. And in the Hebrew there, if we unlock the word toward, this is what it means. Meaning unto, into, toward. So the Hebrew actually prepositions primarily talking about towards something or someone. It is used of motion to or unto a personal place, motion or direction. And so what it's saying is, is that God wants to direct these particular thoughts to you personally, right through to you as an individual person. Not just these nice little ideas to random people, to you individually, Bob, to you individually. 
individually, Phil, to you individually, Liz, that God actually, as you position yourself to dream and imagine that God has particular thoughts, particular vision, particular ideas, particular insights that are manufactured in heaven through the power of the Holy Spirit to be brought to you specifically, and they're made just for you to bring into your head, to bring into your heart so that God can speak to you. Did everyone get that? To you. And so what stops us from experiencing that? What stops us from experiencing that is doubt that the God that we worship would actually have a specific plan for you and you alone. That's what stops us from experiencing that. Let me blunt. Let me blunt. A caveman. Let me blunt. Let me be blunt. (laughs) Some of us here don't believe that God has very specific plans for us. And that's why we don't get insight into them. Because if you don't believe that the God that you worship has specific plans for you, why would you position yourself to receive them? Come on now. This isn't rocket science, this message. This is more of a message to to just bring some shifting, again, from last Sunday's message. And there are some people here who I believe that once did believe... But because they went through the three stages of a dream and they got all excited when they first downloaded from heaven about what those dreams were, and then they hit stage two, which was the wilderness stage or the stage where the dream isn't just manifesting easily and there's resistance and it's hard or maybe it seems like, you know, what was I thinking? I need to get over myself. I mean, as if I'm going to be able to do that because I'm hitting this brick wall and hitting this brick wall and hitting this brick wall and this person's laughing at me and I you know, can't even get this together, let alone dreaming about this and it's just like we start to go into this place and then we start to think you know what I'm not doing that again I'm not positioning myself to to dream again because it's too hard to deal with the disappointment everyone say but God but God even if you're stuck in that place This morning, he says this to all of you, dream again. Come on now, dream again. Start to imagine, start to see it, start to receive it. Start to know that the first stage is getting that in your heart, getting that on paper. I'm even hearing the Lord say there are some people and you have put a lid on your life. You've capped yourself. Okay, this is it. This is enough. It's no more. We'll just, just stay comfortable. What's interesting about comfort, because the very way that you've been designed by God is to be someone who is growing, who's connected with Him. Because He's a creator, He's always got something new. He's always got something new. He's always got something fresh. And watch this. The very attractiveness about comfort, it's deceiving. Because when we start to make a decision, hey, I'm going to put a lid on my life and I'm just going to be comfortable, the first little bit of it actually feels good. It's like, ah, I'm just going to be comfortable. I'm just going to cruise. And it feels good for a little while. But then 
something on the inside, we start to lose our joy because the very thing that we're wired for, the very thing that we're created for, which is growth, which is progress, which is a new thing, not just to do the same old, same old, same old, same old thing all the time. It starts to affect us. And I'm hearing the Lord say to me that there are some people here, and as I even described that just then, on the inside you're going, you know what, that's me. Some of that, that that's, what, that's what's troubling me right now. There's some of that going on in my world right now. And I hear the Lord say this, good news is that he wants to say to you today, come on, dream again. Get out of that comfort zone. Get out of that place of right. Start to position yourself with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to ask the music team to come, or just Jace, to come is fine. To finish off is that we are spirit beings. And so imagine, to imagine is actually Holy Spirit work inside of us. To stop dreaming, to stop imagining means that we're actually preventing the Holy Spirit to work through us at times. And I want to share this story with you about the Olympic Games in 2004 in Athens. It was actually an American sharpshooter. So he was in the, the shooting competition. And his name was Matt Emmons. And he was ready to finalize his gold medal in the 50-meter rifle event. And he was far ahead, way ahead on the points tally. Pretty much the media was saying in the final round, look, it's just inevitable he'll win the gold medal. And there was more interest put on who's going to fight out for the silver and the bronze. And understanding when you're that professional level of shooting, you know, it's just a couple of inches either way that determines how much points you get. And so why they said it was inevitable, because even if he didn't hit the bullseye in this last thing, I mean, he would have had to hit way off from the bullseye to then have threatened his gold medal. So it was pretty much a done deal. This guy that trains and trains and trains to to shoot targets. And so as he prepared for this shot, to lock it in, to have this dream that he always dreamed the gold medal, and the media's watching and the commentators are pausing, ready for this final shot to give him the gold medal. And so he peers through the scope and he measures it up. And he aims carefully and he squeezes the trigger. And the bullet gets fired and bam, he hits the bullseye. And in that moment, actually as it's filmed, you can see him. You can see him react. He's won the gold medal, a life dream that he's worked so hard for. And you can see on his facial expression this sense of just breakthrough. All the hard work. It's been all worth it. But then, in the distance of the media shot, you see the judges start waving their hands. Waving their hands saying, something isn't right with the shot. And he looks up and he starts to react. And you can see his facial expression changes from feeling like he's had breakthrough to feeling like, what's wrong? What's wrong with the shot? And then he hears the news. That his bullet hit the bullseye 
of the completely wrong target. It was a target that was set up on the other side for the next competition. And so in that one moment, he went from absolute joy to absolute disappointment. What's my point here? Well, for this story, wrong targets don't win gold medals. How does that translate to you and I as we finish off this message today? Wrong targets don't win gold medals. God loves you so much that he wants you to know that he has particular targets for you to focus on. He has a journey for you. He has a destination for you. And as we look to him, he promises that he will straighten our paths. That even times things are mysterious about God. Sometimes we don't get everything. We're confused about the timings of things. But like the loving father that he is, he is someone that will provide us with a blueprint of where to focus and what to work towards to win the promises that he has for us. And so this is the problem. When we choose, and it actually is a choice, and we park excuses, and we actually take responsibility, meaning we say, hey, you know what? I'm not going to allow the excuse to stop me from actually having the ability to respond to my God. The key here is that we choose to either position ourselves to imagine, to dream, and to download a blueprint, and to follow that, and to walk through that. And at times we go a little bit to the left, we go to the right. But as we do that, and we follow through, we put our trust in the Lord, and we look to the Lord, and He will straighten our paths. God says that He will deliver you into promises. And so the point here is this morning, I want to send a challenge to you, that there is no longer any excuses. Whether you had a bad upbringing, whether you've got parents that frustrate you, whether you've got kids that frustrate you, whether you don't have that much money in the bank account, whether your boss treats you poorly, whether you don't think you can put three sentences together, whether you feel like you don't have enough clothes or good-looking clothes or you're not as talented as the person sitting next to you or whatever it is, those excuses... Don't hang on to them. Because I'm going to tell you this. Someone like myself, I was so broken on the inside that at times I wanted to end my life. And then I asked Jesus to come in. And as I started to connect with Christ, He said, dream, believe. And as I kept coming back to church and kept getting good teaching, Bits of my identity were stripped away that were cursed and he replaced it with blessed identity. And he started to reveal ideas and I started to imagine myself. I started to imagine myself as a pastor. I started to imagine myself as a husband. I started to imagine myself as a father. I started to imagine myself as a businessman and I started to dream and I started to write these things down. And things didn't work out perfectly. And there were times when I was going into the wilderness. And then there were times that I broke through. 
And then there were times when I just didn't want to dream again and I got comfortable. And then God said, dream again. And I started to dream again. And then I started to step out again. And there were rough times and difficult times. But I hung on and then God broke through for me. And then I got comfortable again. And then I got stuck in a rut. And then I got frustrated. And then I started pursuing the wrong things. And then God said, repent. And then God said, now dream again. And so I started to dream again. And I started to write down the things that he shared with me and he showed me. And then I started stepping out with him. And then I started putting those things into place. And then that was tough. And then that was hard. And then that was difficult. And then I felt betrayed here. And then God said, continue. And then the breakthrough came. And then I started to get comfortable. And then I started to get comfortable again. And God said, repent and start to dream again. And then I started to dream again. And then I started to set goals and to partner with the Holy Spirit. And then I started to step out and do that. And then things got tough. And then it got difficult. And I got stretched. And sometimes God says, I'm going to stretch you to the point where you feel like you're going to snap, but hang on because I won't, because I'm putting enough elasticity into you, which is called the Holy Spirit, and just hang on. You won't snap. I won't break you. I'm just stretching you. And then God stretched me, and then I came out the other side, (laughs) breakthrough going, my gosh, I am different. Now, is this that I just went back and forth, is this here anything to do with me? Yes. But has it mainly got to do with God? Yes, but this is the thing. You've got to take responsibility. You've got to take responsibility, church. God has given you everything that you need to walk with Him and to build your life. Are times tough? Yes. Do you need prayer for things? Yes. Should you do it in isolation? No. Do you need the local church? Yes. Do you need to be mentored? Yes. Do you need to be encouraged? Yes. Do people need to love you? Yes. Do you need to love other people? Yes. Do people need to forgive you? Yes. Do you have to forgive other people? Yes. But let me say this to you. One thing that's really helped me is don't have excuses why you can't dream. And one of the biggest ones is actually being religious. <laughs>